to be here and be uh, a co-pastor, co-lead pastor with Pastor Jeremy. I knew that day, though, that I had a very challenging journey in front of me. I would boast both ecstatic, but a little concerned as well. And even though I was scared, we went to Cleveland Clinic the very next day on Monday, and this was about 5.30 a.m. on Tuesday morning, March 28th, the day of my surgery. And as you know, this surgery was something that we had prayed for, thought about. My stomach was up over my heart. They had to correct that. I had malrotation of the intestine. My colon wasn't operating correctly. It was a big, huge surgery. Here I was at 5.30 a.m. I'm ready to go. We got the word from a resident. There's an Amish person that actually has more of a serious surgery than you do. We're going to bump you back. And they bumped me back. I think it was around 2 o'clock, maybe 2.30 in the afternoon. So from 5.30 to 2.30, I was on pins and needles, and I had no idea what was in store. Little did I know that that journey that began at 5.30 a.m. that morning would be fraught with uncertainty and pain. But I'm here this morning to tell you, the anchor holds. Amen. The anchor holds. Even when you don't know what the future holds, the anchor holds. Good morning. It is so good to be here. You don't even know how good it was to walk through those doors again. Well, this is, a, this is, is going to go down in our memory bank for today is the first day, first time Ed has preached without a colon. He's very cute. I told him how handsome he was without a colon. And this is our, we're learning. We are learning to live without that colon. And it is the first day where his stomach is not over his heart. It is down where it's supposed to be. Amen. And he has two working kidneys. Amen. Amen. The Lord. Now, I'm not the preacher in the family. Now, Evan's over there probably disagreeing with that. Um, but I'm not the preacher, but I, I, I can't, I've given enough sermons to him. And um, we've been admitted, what, seven times? It was seven times. And so I'm just taking, I'm just going to be talking to friends about how God has got us through since March. And um, around two years before... Um, Ed started, health started declining, and we knew it. He started losing weight. He couldn't eat anymore without severe pain, and we kind of ignored it. And our doctors was talking to us about it, and um, it got to the place we couldn't ignore it anymore. And we have gone to our normal gastroenterologist, and he looked at Ed and said, Ed, you're not going to make it. If we don't have surgery and we don't intervene, you're not going to be with us. So they sent us to Cleveland Clinic to get some help. And the surgeon that we were supposed to see looked at us and said, he's too complicated. And he sent us to somewhere else. Now see, Ed was born, this is all congenital. Ed was born with things not in its right spot. 
if it was supposed to be on the right, Ed's might be on the left. If it's supposed to, an artery supposed to go up, Ed's might be going down. And so he, we knew he was complicated. But we prayed, God, let us know where we're supposed to go and who's supposed to do the surgery. And he did. And he did. Um, if we can change the slide. I'm going to be talking initially about you guys. And um, I might be going all over the place, but I just wanted to talk about our friend Pam. And um, she made these candies for us. And as you know, Ed was losing weight. He couldn't eat without pain, except for Pam's candy. And he loved it. It didn't cause pain. And this was when he was in the hospital, and I had my bag, and it was full of snacks and everything. And he's like, do you have Pam's candy? <laughs> well, we ran out. And Pam came over, uh, drove to Lancaster, and when we came in, we had a bunch of Pam's candy. Pam, I know you think that's little, but when he's asking, thank you. We love you. And so, oh, and next I want to talk to you about a man named Scott Cohen. Now, we went to school at Olivet with Scott, and when Evan was thinking about what school he was going to, well, hello, Olivet. Parents are Olivetians. So I went to Olivet. I prayed, Lord, let this be the school. And, but make it really obvious where he's supposed to go to school. It wasn't Olivet. And when we went to Trevecca, and he found love with Nashville and the school, and God was moving, Around a week later, we got a text from, it's Dr. Scott Cohen. He goes, hey, I saw you on Facebook. Is your son going to Trevecca? Because guess what? My daughter's going to go to Trevecca. Well, these are all of that grads. And um, so anyway, we got to know Scott through that and his wife. And see, I thought it was just God choosing Trevecca for Evan. But it wasn't. He put Scott back into our lives, and if we didn't obey God and go to the right school, we wouldn't have met the Cohen family. Now, Scott sent these jokes to us. And have you ever heard of dad jokes? They're not funny. Sometimes they are, maybe a little. He is the king of jokes. And so I put this, and um, he would be like, how are you feeling today? And I would he would text back literally hundreds of these dad jokes. And... When I was feeling in the hospital, lonely, sad, scared, I would get a joke and I would laugh out loud. And it was little things like that, that God is just in the details and knew I needed to laugh. And we went out to dinner with them, um, out to lunch actually, when Evan was moving into school. And we got to know his wife, Christy, and we kind of got to know them and we've been back and forth texting them. And, and at the end of that breakfast, Ed goes, hey Scott, I need you to pray for me. I need surgery. And I'm just not sure I'm supposed to have it. I don't think I'm going to make it if I don't. But could you just pray for us? Well, they did more than that. They grabbed us. They held on to us. And in the mail, when I was in the mail, I got this book. And it was a book written by Christy. And it's called Unspeakable Joy. They lost their four-year-old. Jesus took her to heaven. And it's her story. And um, at the end of this book, she and her, on the last page, it says, 
We hope sharing this story of our daughter will draw you to his story. And all through this, since March, our story has led to this cross and a Jesus that loves us so much. And his, he held, he was in the details. He was at night with us. He was during the surgery with us. And this book, it helped me. And if you need it, if you want to borrow it or read it, it's there. But see, there's a reason he didn't go to all of that. He went to Rebecca because we needed the Cohen family. Okay, now this is the next time. The, the, when Ed, back in 2011, I had, um, it was immediate. I got a phone call at four in the morning um, to say goodbye to him. He was in the ER. They put the phone down. Sherry, can we put him on a ventilator? He's not going to make it. We're keeping him alive until you get here. It was very fast. It was sudden. We, he was fine one minute, and then the next minute he was preparing. We thought Jesus was going to take him home. So this was harder this time because we kind of knew what to expect. We didn't want to go through it again. I knew it was going to be a rough one. And um, for the first couple of the months leading up to March, I was broken. I was just broken. And I came in here on a Sunday, and I sat in that pew, and I know how to be, I know how to be a preacher's wife, but I was just going through the emotions because my heart was so broken. And one of the reasons was, I kept saying, Lord, how am I supposed to make this through without my mom beside me? How am I supposed to do that? And I kept praying that, Lord, how am I supposed to get through this? And God answered me in such a quiet way, but in such a loud way. And he said, Sherry, I have your mom. She's healed of breast cancer. I have her. But I gave you a church filled with moms. I don't know what I would do without the ladies in this church who got me through this. Because you helped me heal. You were there. And this is Sharon's text. And um, I had a laugh once. I don't know what I would do without the lady right there. And she texted me once and she said, do you need anything? And I'm assuming you're staying up in Cleveland. What about your dad? Can we help you? And one time it's, hey, did you make it back to the hotel? And she literally has the same mom text that my mom would have wrote me. Did you make it okay? Don't. And she told me that to be careful when I was walking back and watch everything. And he sent me a mom. And then he sent me another mom named Melanie. Thank you, chill dad. We didn't, you just didn't need us, we needed you. Because see, God knew the future and he knew we were gonna go through this again. And I would need Sharon and I would need Melody and I would need Pam's candy. Because he couldn't eat except for your candy. (laughs) And we needed you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your prayers. I wanna talk about the 24 hour prayer um, that you guys did. Um, during the surgery, there was going to be a six to eight hour surgery, and they had a cardiothoracic team on call waiting to open Ed's sternum if they couldn't get his um, stomach off his heart. Because it had been there for so many years, it was kind of scarred down. And they had put Ed through so many, in December, so many heart tests. They had his heart, what, 170-ish? 
because they had to make sure that his heart could even handle the surgery. And um, so anyway, they, they weren't sure they could do it, but they were going to try. And um, you guys were praying for us for 24 hours nonstop, and they didn't have to call the heart team in. His chest was not. They were able to get in there and pull his heart down, and that is the power of prayer Thanks of a Lord. praying church. I uh, said so they told me that to expect Ed to be on a ventilator, and they told me to expect him to be on a ventilator for 24 to 48 hours to let everything just rest. I walk in, he's not on a he's not on a ventilator. 24 hour prayer. When the surgeon came out, it was late, and um, we had been we got bumped. And it was fine that we got bumped because that, that family needed um, that surgery. Um, this man, this Amish family, actually came to me in the, in the room, in, in the waiting area, and said, hey, is your husband happen to have surgery with the same surgeon? And I said, yes. And she goes, I think you were supposed to be the, the 530, right? And I said, yes. I go, but we got bumped. And she goes, we bumped you. And I'm so sorry, we bumped you. And I go, we've been praying for you. She goes, you don't know us. I said, no, but back in 2011, we bumped a lot of people. And so we just want to let you know I'm praying for you. And she was about ready to have her second baby, and we were talking, and, and just the neatest lady. And all of a sudden, she turns to me, and she said, did they catch your husband's malrotation before his stomach ruptured? And I just stopped, and I looked at her. Because no one really knows. This is very rare. And it's congenital, and it's just very rare. And I said, no, back in 2011, his heart, his stomach ruptured. And um, he only he has less than, um, less than a quarter of a stomach left. And um, she just looked at me. She was the, and I go, did they catch your husband's rotation before the stomach, the volvulus, and she goes, yeah, and I go, well, praise the God that you don't have to go deal with that, and she's like, um, do you think we can meet up upstairs? We're going to this floor, and I think they're going to put you on the same floor, and I would like to talk to you more about it. It was the first time since 2011 I've ever met anybody who had the exact same situation that we did, and that we were praying for each other. She didn't know Sherry Simons, I didn't know her, but at this one moment, we were two wives praying for each other. Amen. And that is an anchor That's right. that God has given us. And so, oh, and this one, is Corey up there? Corey, <laughs> Evan, we really talked about should Evan leave school? Should he not leave school? What should we do? Should he be beside me? And Ed and I were just, I went, we went to him and said, hey, God has us. And I'm going to take Ed, and you're going to go to school, and you're going to pass that calculus test. And um, it was hard. And we prayed for this kid, and it was hard for him to be in calculus and chemistry and all those science classes, knowing that his dad was in Cleveland Clinic. And he knew how bad it was getting at home with that Ed's um, thing. So when I got this letter... Or when I got this um, text of these two smiling faces, I got blessed because God is in the details. And he just, the Holy Spirit wasn't just in the G building at Cleveland Clinic. He was watching over this kid by that big kid back there that we love. <laughs> and we didn't know how we were going to get his piano, his big keyboard, in from his freshman room in Benson. 
back because of the complication with Ed's kidney. And he just happened to be on a business trip and said, hey, I'll get it. And thank you, Chilnaz, for taking care of our kid. We love you, Corey. Oh, the next one. Oh, this quilt. This is what, um, this is, this is Pastor Ken and Joyce's slide. Um, the, the Sunday that I was here, that was so broken, and I was just kind of going through the motions, and I was upset and questioning God, and is he going to take him this time? Is he going to make it? Did we make the right? I was just all of these things. What are we going to do? Am I going to be able to, if you take him, well, I can, can I send Evan to, Evan to college? And what are we going to do? And it's just all these things that the devil was just beating me up over. And I walk out, and I don't know if you know this Sunday, Pastor Ken, but you came to me, and you talked to me, and I needed a pastor, and I had one. Sometimes the pastors need a pastor. Amen. And you talked to me, and you told me the prayer that you gave to Joyce, and I prayed that all the way home, Pastor Ken. And we talked from, I think you were having one of those board meetings, not board meetings, whatever he does. And so we talked from the foyer all the way out into the parking lot. God sent me the anchor holds. God sent me Pastor Ken in that exact minute that I needed him. Thank you, Chilnaz. And then it was the day after the day after um, the surgery, and Ed took a turn for the worst. And I was sitting beside him. We didn't know about the complication at this time with the kidney. And Ed was turning pale. His vitals were all out of control. And the nurse came in, the second, the second shift nurse came in and who had had him before, and she took one look at him and she goes, oh my goodness, and she runs out and people are running in and they're trying to figure out. It, it just took me back to 2011 when I had to say goodbye to him all over again. So I grabbed my phone and God said, call Pastor Ken and Joyce. And I went into the waiting area and I called you guys and Joyce told him to pull over. And he pulled over, and Pastor Ken prayed. And when I walked back in, they had him stable again. Thank you, Chilnaz. Thank you. The one big difference between doing your testimony in 2011 to 2023 is I don't know what to do with these. So <laughs> I want to talk. I want to talk about the scripture that got me through the hard times. And this, this scripture, do you, we all have a scripture that gets us through hard times, that we hold on to, that we cling to, that we keep saying in our minds and in our heads. And it's always been Psalm 16 for me. And it says, keep me safe, O God, for it is in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have not one good thing. And I would pray this prayer over Ed every time I left his room. Keep him safe, oh God, for we take our refuge in you. Psalm 16 was just my verse through the whole Cleveland Clinic times. And, and then it goes, when we had to rush up to the emergency room real late at night at Cleveland Clinic, oh, we have stories. And I, um, it's not an easy place to be. And Ed's Neff tube stopped working. And um, that was draining the urine from his um, right side. And we had called and they said to get up, to get up there. And um, 
but it's in a different building. It's not safe. You have to go through all of these. Make sure you don't have any arms or weapons with you or anything like this. And, and, we, and you just, I parked at the main campus, and this was in the ER campus, and it was around, what, 1231 o'clock? Yep. 1231 o'clock. And I didn't know, I couldn't, because of safety, and I knew I'd pay for it, Sharon would yell at me if I walked to the main campus on the outside, because it was not safe. And so I went over, and I told the valet what was going on, and they said, ma'am, we'll bring your car over for you. And I put it in, I'm really bad with directions. I knew how to get there and get back. I'm better now. And so it was around 1 o'clock in the morning, and... Um, I could see the hotel, but they were doing construction, and they just closed all the roads. I'm not good with one-way roads. And so I would, I literally, for one hour, I could see the hotel, but I could not get to the hotel. And this verse, I prayed, Lord, I'm going to just have to be driving around until the morning, and I'll just go see him then because I can't get to the hotel because of these roads, and I'm, I'm lost, and, and I went down some roads I shouldn't have been going down, and, and this verse was, Sherry, you've set the Lord always before yourself, before me, because I am at your right side, you will not be shaken. Psalm 16 got me through some really hard times. So, Memorize the verse, because I did that gets you through the hard times. And Psalm 16, again, from 2011 to 2023, the anchor held. The anchor held. Amen. And I'm passing it over <laughs> to Ed. Well, as you can see, we had a very arduous journey. That, um, that we were going through. And um, you saw me at 5.30 in the morning, the day of the surgery. This is a picture about 11.30 that very same day. My brother, Pastor Jeremy, was nice enough to take this picture. <laughs> pretty, pretty bad. I mean, look at my hair, it's not even combed. I mean, come on, First what one, have you ever seen that? Come on. But I, I, was, I was in bad shape. And let me tell you, the next day wasn't much better. In fact, I remember Wednesday, March 29th, very well, because it, it was probably one of the most painful days of my life. I was so exhausted, so, so hurting, and I couldn't get any sleep because I was in so much pain that I couldn't even rest or even concentrate. And so it was hard. It was really difficult, and this was after my first surgery. Now, I had times of reprieve, which were so awesome. Like Pastor Jeremy, Paul Rennick came up and was there with me. My cousins, Buck and Carrie from Illinois, came and visited me. And I love this picture. This is my favorite Easter Sunday picture of all time. Now, we have a picture of, of Evan uh, in a suit on Easter Sunday, me in my suit, Sherry in her Sunday's best. Those are good pictures, but this is my favorite because even in the Cleveland Clinic on Easter Sunday, we were able to be together as a family. And I know we're not in our Sunday's best, but God was there. And there were just so many times throughout my journey that we had friends, family, visitors that got me through those painful, difficult times. Um, the prayers, like she said, 24 hours of prayer I don't think I would be here today if it wasn't for what you guys did through your prayers. Um, it, was, it was a challenging time, 
but there were these moments of light that were able to help, help me get through those dark, darkened days. However, there were storm clouds gathering throughout that whole time as well. In fact, I learned a new term, which I had never heard of before, called incidental cancer. Now, I've heard of stage one cancer, stage four cancer, and even terminal cancer, but I never had heard of incidental cancer. What happened is when they did that surgery on March the 28th, the surgeon called Sherry and I and said, you've got to praise God. You've got to praise God right now. I'm like, okay, I'm praising God, even though I'm in a lot of pain, I'm hurting, I, I get it, what's going on? He said, when we remove that colon, I'm glad I look good without a colon, like Sherry said. <laughs> But when they removed that colon, they removed my appendix as well. And once they removed that, they actually found that I had appendix cancer. And it was contained in the appendix. But I found out after doing some research, it's very rare. Once again, I'm an oddball. I'm, I'm a freak of nature because whatever happens, I have to do it the hard way. This is very rare, only affects about one to 2% of people. Um, one to two people out of every million get appendix cancer. However, it is very aggressive. If they wouldn't have caught it, it would have gotten my lymph nodes and it would have been throughout my entire body and I probably wouldn't be here this Christmas. So think of this, we struggled with making this decision for surgery. We, I wanted anything but this. In fact, my brother, Larry Sheeler, uh, we, we had this agreement. He was praying that they would get in there and say, he doesn't need the surgery, let's cancel this, it's gone. But it was that surgery where they found this incidental cancer and really saved my life. And it reminds me that sometimes we need to thank God for unanswered prayers. Because I was praying just like Larry, I don't want the surgery, but God knew. I needed this surgery. And that was one of those revelations that just encouraged me during this time. The other thing I learned about was surgical complications. I got through that first surgery. I was starting to eat. There was no pain. I was like, thank you, Jesus. This is great. They discharged me, and I started spiking the temperature, a fever. So they brought me back in. They did this CAT scan, and they found that during that first surgery, my ureter was cut, and I was infected and they were going to have to do another surgery to correct that. They put in two drains in my kidney, I was, I, I, and I would leave, spike a temperature, have to get re readmitted. Leave, go to the hotel, have to go back because I was getting sick again. We were in the hospital seven times over and over and over again, and I was preparing to go through this second surgery. The first surgery was eight hours, they were telling me the second surgery would be six hours. So that day came, May the 23rd, Tuesday. Once again, bright and early, 5.30 a.m., getting ready to repair that ureter. I was in a good spirit. I still had my little kidney uh, drain in there. You can see it there. I was ready to go, sitting outside the OR. My surgery was canceled. They had a transplant that they had to do. So I had the IV in, they had to take me back. We went back to uh, Lancaster and I had to get that rescheduled on May the 25th. And finally, they gave, came in and did that second surgery. I showed you the pictures after my first one. The second one, I didn't fare much better. In fact, I had surgical tape that just tore up my face during the surgery. 
However, the surgery was successful, and I knew I was going to finally get moving throughout this. And it was good. I was in the hospital. I was starting to eat. I love bananas. My potassium was low, so it worked out really well. Eating bananas, drinking water, so I didn't have to have that IV of fluids in me. And I was trying to get better. But let me tell you, even during, after that second surgery, I was just in so much pain, so much struggle. And it was tough for me. There were so many dark nights where I just, I just was reeling in pain. And I, I'll be honest, I wanted to give up. Because I was like, Lord, I was supposed to be home by now. I was supposed to be out of Cleveland. Why is this happening? And it was so amazing how God spoke to me. First off, through the scripture that we read this morning that Paul Rennick gave me. Be still and know that I am God. I will be among, exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That scripture just came to me, kind of like Psalm 16 came to you. This scripture just let me know I was going to be okay. And what's amazing about that scripture is Paul is not only a friend, he is a cancer survivor as well. And so he knows the power of that scripture. You see, there's another scripture that reminds me of that scripture. Let me read it to you. It says, and this is the Lord speaking to Elijah. Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. That's where God was. He wasn't in the wind, wasn't in the earthquake, wasn't in the fire. He was in the gentle whisper. Sometimes in my life is a good example of this. We need to escape the cacophony, the din, the loudness of this world to hear God. Society is so shrill and it speaks to us negatively all the time. And sometimes to really hear God, we need to be still and know. We need to hear his gentle whisper. And even though I was miserable at Cleveland Clinic, I just wanted to go home. It was in the quietness of that moment that God spoke to me. And I remember opening my Bible app and reading that psalm that Paul gave to me. But then I looked at verse 11, and that verse really stood out. It says, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. See, when we're quiet, when we're still and we know God, he is right there with us in that moment of despair in that moment of desperation. He is our fortress. He keeps us safe. And then the final thing that spoke to me was my friend Jamie Troutman, and he's so good at this. He did it for me before. He sent me a video, and the video was called Checkmate. And I remember watching this, and it was through this video that, once again, God's gentle whisper confirmed to me that I was going to be okay, even in the darkness of that moment. This is what the video said. It said, there's a picture in the museum at the Louvre called Checkmate. 
The devil is sitting on one side, there's a chessboard in the middle, and there's a guy sitting on the other side of the chessboard. The guy sitting on the other side had his head in his hand in despair and desperation. That's exactly where I was. I was feeling sorry for myself. I was ready to give up. I didn't know why I was stuck in Cleveland and not in Lancaster. Well, a tour was going through the Louvre, and a guide was talking to this group composed of athletes and world champions on the special tour. In the group was a world chess champion, and he comes walking by this picture as the tour guide explains what the picture's artist's picture is. It's this artist's rendering of a, lost, a person's lost battle with the devil. The group moved on to the next painting, but the chess champion stayed there and kept looking at the picture. Soon the group noticed he was not with them, so the tour guide came back and said, sir, we, we have to move on, are you coming? The chess champion said, well, I've been looking at this picture. Yeah, the guide said, it's called checkmate. The devil is laughing, the, this man is lost. The chess champion says, I know you've said that, but I've been standing here and I keep looking at this picture. What's the problem, the tour guide said. As you know, I'm a world champion chess player. I spend my life playing chess and I see things that normal people don't see. When your group walked off, I looked at the devil laughing. I looked at the man in desperation and despair, but I noticed something on the chessboard. Either they're going to have to change the painting or they're gonna to have to change the painting's name. And the guide said, why? Why are they gonna to have to do that? The champion said, when I observed the board and examined the chess pieces, I discovered that the king has one more move. The king still has one more move. I needed to hear that message in the hospital because I felt like I was in a checkmate. I was in the dark night of my soul. And I can tell you, no matter where you are today, the king has one more move. Like I was in the Cleveland Clinic, you might feel like all hope is lost, everything is done, but God is with you. When we quiet ourselves, when we hear his gentle whisper, when we are still and know he is God, he is the Lord Almighty, he is with us, he is the God of Jacob who is our fortress. Satan is defeated, hope is restored, and I'm living proof today that the king has one more move. And above all else, the anchor does hold. The anchor holds today. Back in 2011, when Ed's um, stomach ruptured, it was uh, Wednesday. It, was it a Wednesday? It was a Wednesday, wasn't it? I think and, it was, yeah. Yeah, and that I was doing children's ministry at the time, my passion, and... Um, we had a very big um, inner city in that Portsmouth, and I talked about on the Sunday before this happened, um, we were ta I was talking about Jesus being in our boat in the middle of the storms. And um, this song, The Anchor Holds, part two, um, is the reason um, this song just means so much to us because we all, I'm sitting out here looking at my church, my family, and there's not one of us who hasn't gone through a storm. It might not be a health storm, might be financial or addiction or whatever your storm is, the anger holds. 
And this song was written by a pastor. And his name, I want to get his name right, it was... Um, his name was Pastor Lawrence Chenning. And in 1992, the, um, Pastor Lawrence Chenning was going through a storm, and him and his wife called it the year of their sorrows. It was an, uh, it was an accumulation of just one sad thing after another. In 1992, Pastor Lawrence lost his Christian father. He was pastoring this amazing, wonderful church, and there was a church plant, and it was going through just a very horrible split. Ministry is not always easy. Then his wife was expecting, she was on her third pregnancy, and he had prayed for months, Lord, we, need, we want this child. And um, he got a phone call, and he went into the hospital, and his wife lost their third baby in her 14th week, and he held his son in his hands, his unborn son in his hands. Talk about a storm. Talk about a storm. He went on a six-month sabbatical, and um, he went into his basement every day, and he was playing the piano. And he was asking a lot of questions that I think we've all found ourselves answering or questioning why. I asked God a lot, why second surgery? 2011 was so hard. I can't go through this again. But I can, and I did because of his anchor. And this, um, this minister in 1992, his year of sorrows in his basement, as he was talking to God, said, I'm battered. The ship is battered. And our friend Lori is coming up and singing this song that is just kind of our testimony, and, and anybody going through a storm is their testimony as well. And I'm here to say, if you're going through a storm this morning, there is an anchor, and it really does hold. <laughs> 